obviously uh, nobody can deny that there there has been risks of doing business in Iran and this risk is increasing with the recent news and recent developments. That's my guest, Dr. Siamak Gudazi. He's a lawyer, holds a PhD in criminal law and formerly served in the Iranian judiciary. This is the Emerging Markets Podcast. Siamak Gudazi is the founder and director of Open Iran Group, an organization which helps foreign businesses navigate the landscape of doing business in Iran. Good morning, Siamak. Good morning, Ben. Well, let's get right into it, and perhaps you can give us an introduction of yourself and an overview of Open Iran and what it does. Okay, yes. Uh, I uh, graduated from a law university in Mashhad and uh, joined the judiciary. Uh, joined as a prosecutor and moved up to be a judge of court and then transferred to a city near Tehran. And my last position was judge of first branch of general court of Tehran. And uh, it was uh, about 15 years ago, or actually more than that, it was 18 years ago that I decided that I want to separate from the judiciary to pursue my education, so I resigned and I went to the UK to do my PhD in criminal law and criminal justice studies. After completing my PhD, I started with some business there, a law firm, immigration firm, education, and after a few years I decided to come back to Iran to carry on working as a lawyer and pursue some business ideas in Iran. So around eight years ago, uh, in 2011-2012, I went back to Iran and carried on with the law firm, Afarin law firm, that I was managing director of that firm. And uh, before the sanctions were lifted, I assumed and I hope that one day they will be lifted and there will be a flood of international businesses into Iran. So I established a private company called Open IR Limited in England and under the brand of Open Iran Group, I put this law firm and few other companies into under one umbrella and establish Open Iran Group. It was funny at the time, everybody was telling me what a name, Iran is not open, so why Open Iran? I I just responded that hopefully one day it will be. So then how does Open Iran operate? What sorts of things do you do in terms of attracting foreign companies and working with those companies in Iran? So we collaborated with a number of uh, international companies to invite them and attract them to Iran so that uh, they can invest in Iran, they can explore opportunities. I remember we started with an event called Kish Invex. We had over 750 participants, many of them from abroad. And between 2015 and 2016-17, we uh, organized a number of events, Open Iran organized Focus Iran event, uh, Ren Power Iran, also Heavy Iran and few other events. And we had a lot of interest from the international community to come and 
see for themselves what's going on in Iran and explore business opportunities there. Uh, unfortunately, after the new administration, the U.S. administration, things started to turn backwards and uh, we faced a number of sanctions and the U.S. started to pull out and in the end, as you know, they pulled out of the agreement. And uh, I cannot say much more that Iran is open as it was before. So this is the uh, small story about uh, the last few years. Well, there's a lot of adverse media coverage on Iran, and it's very difficult to know what Iran actually represents. From your point of view, what do you think are the biggest misperceptions about Iran? Uh, I would say, first of all, many people think Iranians are Arabs. As you know, they are not. Iran is not a desert. It's a beautiful country. We have so many green areas. We have so much water in Iran. And uh, the other misconception is that people might think Iran is not safe. But actually, Iran is a very safe country. People who have visited Iran, they felt much better coming back again. I lived in Iran myself, and uh, my wife is from Hungary. So we lived there. She was feeling absolutely safe and never felt like this is a non-safe country. In terms of doing business, uh, things are different in every country. There are ways, there are rules, there are norms that uh, people have to follow. If businesses learn them and follow them, obviously they should not get involved in anything dodgy and illegal. But there is a rhythm to everything. With that rhythm, people can live, work and make business. Let's consider some of the recent news. It's been one year since the US withdrew from the JCPOA and just last week, the U.S. announced that it will no longer provide waivers for the import of Iranian oil to countries like China, India, Turkey. Tehran has now responded by withdrawing from specific small parts of the nuclear agreement. What are your thoughts on that issue? Uh, yes, this, there were some indications that Iran is going to pull out of some sections of the agreement. At the same time, the response from Iran was that even though you are going to stop the waivers, cancel the waivers, and you are trying to place a zero export to Iranian oil, but we will continue to export our oil uh, through the ways and channels we can. Uh, unfortunately, so far, this has not been successful, and the problem is not so much with the governments. The problem is that Iran has to work with private businesses for anything, exporting oil or anything else. And the biggest problem with the businesses is that they have business interests with the US as well, and they do not want to risk their positions in the international market and the other problem was the uh, sanctions on the financial markets from the u.s government 
So basically, this made Iran paralyzed in a way that doing businesses has two problems. One, they have to convince the big businesses to carry on working with Iran. The other problem is the logistic of uh, arranging and paying and receiving money, which is still the problem. Right. And, and this is also affecting things like humanitarian trade, which isn't technically under sanctions. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes, technically they are not under sanctions, but uh, because of the problems with the finance and money being sent and received, uh, we still have problems under those sectors as well. Well, some of this, of course, hinges on the remaining signatories to that agreement and also with some of Iran's regional partners, many of whom have expressed dismay at the US position. What do you expect these regional partners to do herein? Uh, unfortunately, uh, Iran has got so many one-sided friends. Basically, Iran is friends to many neighboring countries. At the same time, it is not obvious and practical how those can prove their friendship towards Iran and what practical moves they can basically have. So far, I don't think Iran has had many practical help from those countries that Iran claims friendship with. So we have to wait and see what. In practice, they will do. Of course, they, Russia and Turkey, they have statements. EU has statements uh, saying that we are not happy with this and that. But in practice, not much has been done by any uh, ally of Iran so far. One of those practical measures is meant to be INSTEX, the special purpose vehicle which was set up by Britain, France, and Germany. Many in the Iranian leadership, as I understand, have been rather dismissive of the value of INSTEX, though those in the European community, including the British business community, tend to believe that there is validity to the organization. What is the general feeling of INSTEX on the ground there in Tehran? Again, it goes back to see what in practice is happening. Uh, so far from Instex, I have not heard any actual business being carried out. It's so far coming down like India suggests that, okay, uh, let's do products to products trading, which doesn't resolve the problem of Iran which is the financial problems in the financial sector. Instex uh, in practice can help, but to some small aspect, because only smaller companies uh, would be willing to work with Iran under this scheme, because bigger companies and large companies do not want to jeopardize their uh, financial relations and business with the U.S. Well, China is a 
significant player in this scenario. How important will China's decision be on whether to continue with crude imports from Tehran and their continuing support for the Iranian business community? So far, I would say China has been uh, very supportive in during Iranian sanctions over the last uh, 20 years, uh, has been a very good business partner for Iran. And uh, I was worried actually that maybe the trade war between China and the US maybe can in some ways jeopardize this for Iran and maybe they could have some deals so in the benefit of that trade deal maybe China would sacrifice its business relations with Iran but having heard the last news yesterday that actually China has retaliated and put 60 billion tariff on the US products it seems to me that China is still on the side of Iran as far as the business is, is concerned. And uh, so we are hoping that this will continue and this can help Iran a lot. So it's been reported that China's national oil company has acquired Total's stake in South Pars, which is a significant investment in Iran. Have you seen this in other parts of the Iranian economy? Uh, I have seen. I think they, there are other projects. Uh, I cannot indicate exactly, but I've heard that there, there were road constructions and other uh, construction uh, projects being done by the Chinese companies, including uh, solar energy in some parts of Iran. Uh, yes, China is a big economy and they have the flexibility of working in different countries as you can see they are working in africa and different parts of the world and uh, they have the in infrastructure to carry on working with iran without uh, jeopardizing uh, business relations with the usa because those companies who are working in this region they 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 are separate so they don't necessarily uh, jeopardize their business with the USA. And as I said earlier, the problem is not much with governments, it's with the uh, private businesses. Uh, we don't have problems with the, with the EU. Uh, the EU wants to work with Iran, have business with Iran. The governments are on this point. But the businesses are not instructed or constructed in a way that they can have business with Iran at the same time business with the USA because they they have clear uh, conflict of interest. But with Chinese companies, it's less like that. How does the Iranian merchant class, the Iranian business class view Beijing? And how do they view Chinese companies operating in Iran? They have done lots of projects and they have been involved. And uh, I would say the business community in Iran view them as a country that you can have longer term relationships with less fear of the international sanctions and less fear of the USA interference with them. This is how we see them. 
So let's talk about the actual mechanics of doing business in Iran. From your point of view, where do you see the opportunities? In what economic sectors is it really feasible to have foreign investment and foreign partnerships in Iran? Uh, well, opportunities are across the board. Uh, we have opportunities in the construction, uh, in the tourism sector. We have plenty of opportunities. Uh, of course, oil and gas and petrochemical. Uh, and of course, there is some threats and some risks of doing business in Iran. But in doing it with care and with due diligence and finding the right sector, want the right business, doing it the right way, the return is actually going to be justifying the risks in a way because uh, the return can be huge. Right, so that's an important point and that of risks in doing business. There are risks in doing business in any market, though what do you outline as the key commercial risks when looking at Iran? Uh, obviously, uh, nobody can deny that there, there has been risks of doing business in Iran, and this risk is increasing with the recent news and recent developments. And, uh, but some of the risks go back to the way that the system is uh, working in Iran, the economic system. As we all know, a large part of the Iranian economy is run, managed, and controlled by the state and by SEPA, uh, which is still the case, and by a number of companies that used to be government companies, but they now privatized, and they control a large part of the Iranian economy. Unfortunately, in Iran and as like in many other countries, the state do not necessarily want to give away and give up the control. And as long as this attitude is there, uh, the foreign investments see this as the largest risk of coming to Iran and working in Iran because, uh, as I said, it's not a matter of business, it's a matter of business, not uh, necessarily the government. So not many business people want to interact in a country or with a government when the business is controlled by them. So when you mentioned SEPA, this is the organization which is essentially controlled by the IRGC? Yes, that's right. So given what you've just spoken about with respect to SEPA and the IRGC, how much consideration should a foreign investor pay to this particular issue and how can you go about mitigating it? This is an issue that actually happened after the finish of Iran-Iraq war and because at the time SEPA had a lot of power in terms of construction because it was using that for the war logistics. So for rebuilding the country, SEPA got involved, which was right at the time, and it helped the country a lot. But instead of limiting it to a certain scope, they grew and grew and uh, got involved with many sectors. 
and uh, unfortunately this has had impact on the willingness of international businesses to come to Iran and not many Iranians are necessarily happy with this fact not many private businesses in Iran are necessarily happy with this fact but it is a fact and recently um, there has been some move by Rouhani government uh, that SEPA should try to limit its involvement in the economy uh, but I have not seen many actually, actually actions towards that and this can affect especially the larger uh, business community, bigger international companies to come to Iran for small and medium-sized companies. I do not think that this is a big issue for them. Uh, it could be issue for larger uh, companies. So then what would be your top tips for dealing with Iranian businesses? Yes, first of all, uh, coming to Iran and doing a business, people uh, better have a partner, a local partner. People can choose to come and do their business on their own. You can register a company 100% with the foreign shareholding. But I advise that in any country, if you want to be successful, do your business in partner with a local partner. But choosing the local partner is very, very important. It's best to choose a partner which had experience of partnership before. And also they, they show their, the way they do business and uh, that can ensure a successful partnership. And the other tip is that if you find your partner, you don't have to go ahead and register a company straight away. Form a very clear and inclusive, uh, comprehensive joint venture agreement and make sure that each party knows what they are doing, what are their obligations and responsibilities and try that. If that worked for one year and you are happy with the way the partnership goes, then go ahead and form your corporate partnership, which is the company that you will need to carry on with your business. Can you explain a little bit about the power dynamics between the supreme leader position and the president in Iran? Yeah, this is a clear issue in our constitution. Uh, we have a president who is running the country, or I would say managing the country, and we have a leader who is basically leading the country. So a president cannot be in the shoe of a leader. The president can only manage and run the country under the leadership of the leader. And this is a clear constitution matter. Many people do not agree with it. Many people think it is not the best way for our country. On the other hand, there are on other people who are supporting this. So uh, it's very difficult for a manager or someone like a president who wants to manage and run a country at the same time uh, has to manage it 
following someone else. So it's a very difficult position. It has been difficult position for many presidents so far. So Iran has been under sanctions for approximately four decades now and ostracized from the international community. Can you give us some insight into what it's like for a generation to grow up under those conditions and how has that shaped Iran's business and foreign policy? Uh, Unfortunately, the issue of sanctions created instability uh, in Iran, even in relation to foreign policy, because uh, when a country is under sanction for such a long time, they find ways to go around sanctions, and they have to do that in order to survive. So they have to trust certain entities to help them to do that. And those entities, unfortunately, over time become become very powerful. And at some point, they don't do not want to give it away. So they are enjoying the power. They are enjoying the fact that okay, uh, a country like Iran needs their help. It's not only in Iran; it's an international issue. So those forces will become over time very powerful at the same time we have forces of people in iran and outside of iran who wants to normalize things they want to actually uh, carry on behaving normally and running the country as any other country would do but their voices and their power is not Uh, strong enough to change the course. So this is an issue that needs some time and those forces started to gain some power after the agreement of JCPOA, but they immediately faded away, not only in Iran, but also internationally. So it seems like there is an international will to carry on the way things are, and there is not enough force behind change. So unless uh, those forces become stronger, we will not see much change in the course of actions, really. Just to pick up back on trading partners, aside from major economies like China, where do you see Iran strengthening trading partnerships in the current climate? We will uh, carry on having uh, interest from many European uh, countries. They have been doing business in Iran within the sanctions before, during where the sanctions lifted, and they are still working in Iran, doing business with Iran from European countries, Germany, Italy, France, the UK and many other European countries and also we have Eastern countries that are still doing business with Iran. So this will carry on because they have built in the way they were doing business with Iran and they will carry on. Of course, we did not influx of new businesses as a result of the sanctions, but 
I would say business will carry on with some limited scope. Of course, we have difficulties in larger sectors like selling the oil. And recently, the US has put some sanctions on the steel and mineral industries, which are very big after oil and gas. So those could suffer, but at the same time, there are countries who are working under those sectors. It's all a matter of finding ways to sort out the financial transfers and finding companies who do not have clear uh, interests with the USA. Otherwise, this will carry on. So an interesting point you made earlier was that companies in Iran could be established with 100% foreign shareholding. I'd like to wrap up this interview with you providing a snapshot of the investment landscape for the listeners. Yes, we've had uh, from before the JCPOA some ways to protect the foreign investment and those ways are still available. So by registering a foreign investment, uh, all the non-commercial risks will be covered and there are so many benefits of registering investments into that department. Uh, and of course, there are insurance available. Many uh, companies who started working with Iran, many countries, they started having some insurance in place as well, which can cover other types of risks. Uh, but I would say the best way to do business, not only with Iran, with any countries, to do it through proper documentation, proper contracts, doing things step by step and uh, having guarantees on uh, performances and everything else. There are still ways to do business in Iran. As I said, a, a company can come and do a business 100% with shareholding of a foreign entity. So the scope is there. The law protects the foreign investment. It's only a matter of mitigating the risks and doing things with careful considerations. So my guest again today has been Dr. Siamak Gudazi, the founder and director of Open Iran. I will take this opportunity to thank Dr. Gudazi for joining me and providing his insights. If you enjoyed this conversation, stay tuned for the next interview. The Emerging Markets Podcast is produced by Peacod Advisors. I've been your host, Ben Quant. Thank you and bye for now.